0: None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast, Kratom Science Journal Club, or on any page of KratomScience.com is intended, nor should it be considered medical claims or medical advice. This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. My guest is Brad Miller. He's had chronic pain since age 11 when he was diagnosed with severe ulcerative colitis. On February 13th, 2023, he testified at the Georgia State Capitol at a hearing on a bill to ban kratom. Here's his testimony that day.
1: Thank you guys for meeting today. My name is Brad Miller, and I don't take any money from anybody. I'm here on my own time, and I just want to state... Um, that everybody has important business and the people who are not in government that actually um, work and pay the taxes that does allow those who got to leave early to go back to their work so i just wanted to to point that out Um, i've taken kratom in the past i've taken occasionally i've stopped taking it on occasion i've started back up and it's a tool that i can use to help with chronic pain and also with fatigue Uh, for 30 years i've been chronically ill i've had 20 surgeries, I've had my colon out when I was 11, I have an ileostomy, and so the medical, this fallacy that the FDA and the medical establishment is a perfect answer for everybody is absolutely wrong. And so the FDA, if you think of Viox, if you think of all of these other drugs that have been approved, they got black box listings on it, and finally, the pharmaceutical companies, which are the number one find industry in the world, and they've been fined tens of billions of dollars for lying, mislabeling, and telling us it's safe and effective when it's not. And so to take away a useful tool from individuals who have the natural right to choose to consume or not consume a product is not only evil, it's un-American, because America was founded on the idea that each individual has a natural right to consume or not to consume, to produce or not produce, and then exchange it voluntarily with others and it's your choice as a consumer as a producer to determine for yourself what that is because at the end of the day our experience is our own our pain is our own and the idea that you can regulate it that you can put it into either the prohibition box or the prescription box and protect people is a fallacy Because at the end of the day, it's your choice, it's your body, and each individual is sovereign. And that's what America was founded upon. And I just wanted to talk about meth for just a second. I don't take meth, I would never do that. I would never go into the black market to buy medicine personally. But meth, there was just somebody in Hall County this year who was stopped with 305 kilos of liquid methamphetamine. So the idea that you can put Sudafed behind the counter and you magically stop methamphetamines is a fallacy and you can't do that either with kratom because kratom and meth are not the same thing at all it's a plant that's been given by god to everybody who if they need to they can take it if not then that's their choice nobody's forcing anybody to do so and this idea to demonize gas stations that's extremely elitist and it's condescending to talk about individuals who are Uh, entrepreneurs, maybe they only have one or two stores, but at the end of the day, they're living the American dream and to go after them when they have alcohol and tobacco as well behind the counters. And you wanna talk about death tolls and it's not to take away from anybody who's lost somebody, definitely. But what about cigarettes? How many people die per year from cigarettes? Does anybody know offhand? It's 400,000, alcohol is 85,000, diabetes is 104,000. So when we talk about, I don't wanna have something I can take when I have my Reese's cup at the gas station that can kill me, well, guess what? Cigarettes kill, alcohol kills, diabetes kills, and also peanuts in a Snicker bar can kill as well, and it does every year.
0: Thank you for your time. Thank you. Appreciate you waiting through with us today. I saw your uh, testimony at the Georgia hearing. You got right in there at the end, and I think by that time I had caught it live, and I was watching it live, and I was just like, wow, that was awesome, and this guy's awesome. And everybody I talked to about it was like, yeah, that guy was great. Did you see that guy at the end? So just in general, why did you go down there to tell your story that day? Sure, definitely. Thank you for having me
1: on your show, Brian, and thank you for everything that you're doing for Kratom out there. Um, I come from this from a different perspective than a lot of folks. That The reason why I went down there is when I was 11 years old, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and had a horrific case, and back then the medicine was terrible, didn't help, and so I had to have my entire colon removed. And from that initial nine and a half hour surgery, I had to have an additional 20 surgeries, um, hundreds of doctor visits. I spent, you know, months and months in the hospital over the course of 30 years. And over the course of that time, I have seen the DEA really intimidate and go after doctors for, for those people who are just trying to defend against pain. And I think that is something that is really evil. And, in the, you know, in the future, we're going to look back on this assault, on the individual right to defend against pain. With the tools that uh, I believe God or if you don't believe in God that nature has provided for us is actually our natural right to do so. And that's why I went down to the committee uh, meeting and to talk because I don't know if that message is getting out. And definitely if you sat in the room, you know, the politicians and the lawyers and those who are colluding together behind our backs are not talking about how to defend our natural right to look for those tools and find those to help us to better live. And that's what it's all about. And I think that's what Kratom is. It's a useful tool that I believe that God has given us to help us to defend against pain or fatigue or what other issues that you think it'll be helpful for. And this is, of course, not medical advice. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm just somebody who's been through the medical system, who, who has seen it from the side of the consumer and not from the side of the producer. But I do believe that we have to be in the room. Steve Bannon likes to say, if you're not in the room, not in the deal. Well, I have a different take on that. I don't think there should be a deal going on in these rooms. We need to get rid of the rooms where these deals are going on because it's not benefiting the individual. It's not benefiting true competition and consumer choice.
0: But I heard a lot of people were there and left that were going to testify against the uh, ban. Is Is that true? That is definitely true. Yeah. Um, It was a four-hour
1: committee meeting. Um, It was absolutely – it was standing room only. It was a small room, and they actually made people get up out of seats that they did find so legislative assistants could sit down as well. You had people who you could just tell by looking at them that they're in pain, that they're struggling with certain health conditions, that they're being made to stay. And for hours simply to have their voice heard and these are supposed to be people that are on our payroll as taxpayers it's not supposed to be the other way around and the people that were there there was a lot more that couldn't even fit in the room as well so this idea that um, w- the person who was leading the committee meeting, you know, he talked about that he heard a rumor that people were getting paid $150. And he said, I guess that ran out. That's why so many people left. And a lot of people who signed up didn't testify because I think they weren't prepared for it. To be honest, Um, this was a lot less uh, preparation, I think, from the side of the lobbying part of the Kratom movement. Uh, Mm -hmm. The last time in 2019, I believe it was um, when this first came around with the Kratom Protection Act, um, the AKA did a great job of getting people in a room an hour before and discussing really the parameters of what to talk about and what to, what to focus on. And I think that was extremely helpful. I think this was more of an expert type of um, committee hearing. But at the same time, they allowed the experts from the state to talk for to go on for up to 20 minutes. There was the doctor, I believe, Dr. Lopez from the head of the poison control, who's been in the same position since 1988. Mm. Um, And he talked for over 20 minutes, and it was rambling. And he went over and over, and it turns out he wasn't prepared at all. He didn't go over the case files before he showed up. And so you could really see the depth of knowledge and passion and understanding on the side of people who want to have this tool out there for individuals to buy without going through either the prescription drug, the legal cartel system or the illegal cartel system, because that's what it seems like they want to push it into.
0: Yeah, he was one of the ones that I was saying he has the front page of Google bullet points. And I think a lot of these poison control calls are just people who are surprised that something they bought and maybe a store or gas station actually works. And they're a little bit, whoa, what is this? and maybe maybe they took too much and got sick because we looked at the uh, poison control. I forget it was a few years ago there was a published paper on just the poison data system, and it was people who had they were dizzy, they had nausea, they might have had heart palpitations. Likely that's panic attack because they they don't know what was going. It was like things like that. It wasn't like oh my god I'm dying. Actually, in your testimony, you were talking about um the gas stations, and you were talking about, well, they're just like little entrepreneurs, and guess what, they're also selling alcohol and tobacco. And so just the whole rationale of, well, Kratom killed my son, so make it illegal. What what do you make of that?
1: Well, I think it's a tragedy when anybody dies um, too soon. So whatever the cause. Mm -hmm. But we didn't line up GM or Ford in there and talk about the 1,600 people that die in automobile accidents in Georgia every year. You didn't have those moms coming up there and talking about how terrible it was to lose a son or um, somebody to talk about to lose a brother. Uh, And we could do that with alcohol and also tobacco. We could talk about have the 400,000 plus family members who've lost somebody, right, that die Mm -hmm. each year with tobacco related issues or 85,000 plus that die from alcohol related issues. And these are all sold at the, the gas stations. And guess what? The government takes a huge cut of that as well. And so these people who are demonizing these small gas station providers are also demonizing a huge tax revenue source for them they get they tax the lottery they tax gasoline they tax cigarettes and they tax alcohol and then they go after the people who sell that as somehow they're evil for selling a product that people want to buy
0: i've watched a couple of your podcast um episodes i'll link to that too because it's really it's really good and i um, excited that you're gonna pick it up as well and do it again because every time i see another creative podcast i'm not like oh no they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna take my 10 listeners no i'm, I'm i want to have them on right away and 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 promote their podcast too your uh, medical condition uh it's it's uh, colitis that seems like it you know, it's, was very painful and, and it was hard to go through and you went through all kinds of surgeries, so you must have gone through the pain medication medical system. So what's that like and your whole take on that, because you did mention it before, everybody is now aware. Of, you know, the pill mills and whatnot, and there's movies with uh, Michael Keaton in it uh, about how terrible the drug companies are. But nobody really is getting the other side of it. And I've had like Claudia Randy on the podcast before and uh, trying to talk about, yeah, now doctors are being intimidated by the DEA. But so you've, you've mentioned a lot that you were treated like a criminal as somebody with clearly chronic pain, that's not just there because you like to get high
1: right definitely and i think i come from it from a little bit different perspective i don't actually take kratom right now mm. i've taken it in the past and it's been extremely helpful i'm not on any prescription drugs or anything i mm. still have terrible chronic pain but i manage it in different ways and i think everybody should be able to i come it from the perspective that the opioid so-called crisis was actually caused because of the prescription drug system and also the prohibition system where people don't have access to the actual natural uh, pain-relieving compounds that are found within the papaver somniferum flower, and that flower is something that uh, grows naturally and shouldn't be prohibited. Uh, you know, from my perspective, I've taken just about every kind of um, narcotic, opioid, whatever the current terminology is for these tools that help deal with chronic pain, and it's it's really about, from my perspective, um, the podcast, uh, Chronically Human, is yeah. from the perspective of medical and health freedom, that we have a natural right to use whatever tools that we find beneficial. And unfortunately, through the prescription drug system, that, you know, I've, I've been on morphine for two weeks at a time, right? When I was little, they actually had me on morphine for two weeks, and then they um, took me off cold turkey. And it was one of the most miserable experiences of my life. And this last time around when I was cut off um, from chronic pain management with, um, with pills I'd been taking for a long time, for years and years, but the doctor, because of the 2015, 2016 um, CDC effort to go after doctors and write these guidelines, it basically said that general practitioners can no longer practice medicine that has to do with pain, which is absolutely insane in my opinion. And so um, I use kratom, and I've gone through withdrawal um, symptoms without it and with it. And I can tell you one thing: it took away ninety-five percent of those terrible um, side effects when you're cut off from a medicine that your body is habituated to. Because mm-hmm. anything that you cut off like that, we are habituated to that there's going to be there's going to be issues. And kratom was really miraculous, in my opinion, and that to that it being demonized at this time, I think is really evil and shows the intent and the incentives that are in our current system that aren't uh, producing the results that, uh, that we all claim to want, which is to help the individuals who are in pain to be able to better defend against it with the best tools that they can find.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You, You said you don't take Kratom right now. Well,
1: I do. I, um, I take it on and
0: off. It's a tool okay. in my
1: toolbox. yeah. And I look at it as not as a panacea at all for, just like anything else, it's a tool. And so if I do need it, which I do take on occasion now, um, I have it. But if I don't, you know, it's not something that I have to have because they talked about um, those who have compulsive uh, consumption issues that they're just substituting one substance for another, right? And it's funny that the whole medical um Rehab system is predicated on the idea of drug substitution, right? But at the same time they demonize it when somebody else is doing it with something that uh, grows naturally, which is kind of I think illustrative of what uh, their agenda truly is
0: See I, I know at that hearing they were saying a lot of well You can make it scheduled too, so only a doctor can prescribe it I'm not sure that would even work that way because Cocaine is scheduled to, uh, I think Dennis, Novocaine's the actual drug. There's a approved drug that Dennis can use, but how important is it for you to be able to make your own choice? And would you, because a lot of people are saying, you know, trying to think of how to deal with Kratom, would you be opposed to like a dispensary model, like with marijuana? Or would that even be too much of like a gatekeeper in place there?
1: I'm a hundred percent free market guy. I believe in a free yeah. society and a free market. I believe that the the experiments have also all already been ran, whether a free market or an unfree market produces the results that we claim we all want. If you think about the 20th century, we saw the different systems where the free market was replaced with a top-down economic system. And we see the absolute horror and tragedy that it caused on a massive scale. Over 200 million citizens were killed by their own governments in the in the 20th century, and we're seeing that that same disparity between freer markets and unfreer markets today in places like North Korea and South Korea. So I'm actually um, I'm a, a free society, free market advocate because I believe individuals can decide better than any politician or any um, anybody else, any bureaucrat, even a doctor. I believe that the it's the individual right at the end of the day to choose to be a producer or a consumer, and then to negotiate through exchange, peaceful exchange that benefits each party. And that's how the free market works, and that's why the results that you see with the free market always outstrip, as far as production, innovation, competition, and consumer choice, those markets that are unfree.
0: What do you think of then some of the regulations that Kratom companies should have to test the Kratom? and, and and some of the stuff that goes along with the Kratom Consumer Protection Acts.
1: Sure, definitely. I'm a big fan of honest labeling because when you buy yeah. a product, you're entering into a contract with that producer. They're saying that I am offering you this and you are willingly buying that product from them. So I do believe that there should be testing, but should that be mandated? Or should the market decide? And when I mean the market, I just mean individual choices. We yeah. already have a lot of uh, companies now who are doing the right thing, or at least it appears to be to me, mm. that are testing the products. If if contamination was such a problem, which they claim to be, then people would be dropping dead across the world because Kratom is being used by millions and millions of people across the world. This is a natural product that is processed right now under... I believe it just got uh, decriminalized again in Thailand, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. You probably know more about that, Brian, than I do. But anytime that you have any system of prohibition, you're going to drive it into the black market more. You want this to be brought into the The light of day of the free market so we can have advertising so consumers can trust what they're getting from the producers. And then if they are culpable, if they do find that it's tainted for some reason, then they can sue under the existing product liability laws. Think about how many people get sick from lettuce every year, right? Do we want to ban lettuce or make doctors prescribe what we can and can't eat? Yeah. That's, that I think is insane because at the end of the day, medicine and food I think are the same thing. I don't think they're different at all. I think we've been sold a bill of goods about this idea that medicine is somehow some, some different magical tool that only the learned, only the, um, uh, the enlightened can you can tell you what you can use, right? And so it has to be controlled extremely tightly. And I think that is exactly what's producing the problems that we see today. You talk about the pain management system I was forced into, right? Mm-hmm. Basically at the barrel of a gun, either you're going to have nothing or you're going to be forced into this system. The pain management clinic system is actually based on the criminal justice system. Right now with the the forcing people into drug rehab. So you do have to pee in a cup. You have to go every month um, to a doctor in order to get a prescription to go buy something that is naturally made inside of a flower that everybody could plant in their backyard if they wanted to. And so I, I have a real problem with that. You talk about gatekeeping and that is the real issue because that's what the free market destroys. Because if you have a system, a single hierarchy of values that is determining from top down what individuals can or can't do with their own bodies within the free market, you're going to have alternatives. People are going to be able to go to whatever practitioner or whatever source that they trust. Nobody should trust anything that I say. They should find out for themselves and develop a chain of trust of individuals that share their values. That they can go back and say hey this guy said this well what does he believe right well i've heard him talk what's his story and they go back through that and look at the incentives that we all have because we're all biased we're all reacting to incentives that we have um in the world that uh that we inhabit and i think within the free market at least we're honest about that that we are pursuing self-interest so nobody can lie about being unbiased or about being um uh, the the gatekeeper of the truth, right? And I think you talk about how the individual is so different when it comes to Kratom I think it I think you're exactly right I think that comes for everything because if you look at people how they respond to opiates, it's a huge spectrum of people who are really fast metabolizers or not, and I'm not saying kratom is an opiate at all, but I'm just talking about the opiate as what comes from the somniferum plant, the, mm-hmm. the poppy flower, yeah. that everybody is so different, and then you have one to two percent of the population when they take opiates, they go to the moon, as Dr. Klein says, and if that does happen to you, then you're probably going to have a compulsive consumption issue, and that, thank God, there's stuff like kratom and ibogaine and different other uh, medicines out there that can help people. And I come from the perspective that it is a toolkit, whether it's uh, made by God or nature, or by the the mind of man, that we should all have the opportunity to have the best toolkit for each individual, for each issue that we all have, because we're all looking to to defend against our common enemies, which are pain, disease, degeneration, fatigue, depression, and death.
0: You wrote on uh, one of your podcast episodes that opioid withdrawal by itself is miserable. Having to experience it on top of chronic pain and feeling ill is almost unbearable. And I just wanted to ask, because a lot of people, even there was a comment on one of your uh, YouTube videos. The guy said he had a serious abuse issues, issues getting off a of kratom. He said it was amazing, but it's tough not to abuse. For someone like me, he wasn't saying uh, it's bad for everybody. But I asked everybody this that has had opioid withdrawals: is coming off a of kratom or withdrawing from kratom? Has that ever happened to you? Or, and is it as? Is it anything like an opioid withdrawal?
1: It was nothing like an opioid withdrawal. Mm-hmm. I was put on tramadol, which was supposed to be this synthetic opioid that yeah. was supposed to be uh, that was supposed to not have those issues that the traditional opioids have. Because what happens is they always demonize what works best, so they can sell you something new that works worse. So that's what it seems like to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with kratom, I didn't have that issue. Um, and you're right about being in chronic pain and then going through withdrawal. Because I think withdrawal symptoms are 100%. I would say 90 to 100% avoidable. And Mm -hmm. this idea that you have to force people to suffer maybe because you think they're sinful for taking a product that you never would because you haven't been in their situation and understand where they're at in their life, Uh, that you enjoy watching other people suffer maybe. There's this terrible thing within inside of humanity that does enjoy the suffering of others at a certain level. And I think that's where... A lot, a lot of this um, issues around the war on drugs is about is punishing those that we are not like us or we think are not like us. But truly, they they are us. You know, we are them. Uh, we're all in the same boat, man. We're all struggling with the same issues. And as far as, cons- uh, you know, uh, compulsive consumption, people who have that issue that um, it's going to be something that, that happens with gambling that happens with sex that happens with alcohol that happens with tobacco that happens with uh eating that happens with work it happens with everything and everybody has to manage their own deal and find the best ways to live a productive fulfilling and life full of love and um and purpose and i think that's what it's all about and when we get bogged down in these um these small issues like that that guy from The author of the bill to schedule one kratom, um, that I don't think he's um, a bad person for doing that. I think he's just ignorant. He doesn't understand what's really going on. And if you were at that committee meeting or you do watch it, I highly recommend everybody does, you'll see the difference. And I'll let you judge for yourself what you think, right? You had the emotional appeal on one side, you had the appeal to the authority on one side, and on the other side, you had the appeal for freedom. I think this is uh, a part of the broader issue of medical freedom and medical and health freedom um, that I think is important that we all share. And I think that's one thing you talk about the dispensary model. I think that the proponents of cannabis has done a terrible uh, disservice to others who choose other tools other than cannabis to help defend themselves against uh, problematic issues and also help to improve their life because it should be a broader issue. Um, that encompasses all the tools that we have in our toolbox that humans have discovered or have found in nature. And I think that with Kratom, it should not be in the dispensary models. I think I think that's just another form of gatekeeping like you talk about mm. because the politicians are going to be in charge of the licensing. And we we have seen with cannabis what that looks like. That you have another basically legal cartel system, that you have the the small producers are kept out while the larger producers are gobbling up all the all the uh, the original pioneers in that space, mm-hmm. and I think that's a disservice to us all because it <clears throat> drives up the price artificially. Because in the free market, what you get is with competition and consumer choice, prices go down while choices go up. So I think that's what um, I prefer when it comes to the toolkit that I want to assemble for uh, helping to defend my health and also improve my well-being.
0: Yeah, and you can see that in some of the states like Oregon and um, Michigan. I have a friend that lives in Michigan who said, well, you know, they they gave a whole bunch of licenses because they were doing that, I think, to combat the illicit market. And uh, the the price was like way low, <laughs> like. He said he can get an ounce for like thirty five dollars up, so that was interesting. It, and it's kind of like uh, the home grow thing. I know in Pennsylvania they're kind of fighting against the the um, industries lobbying against home grow, which I think it's. I mean, we have medical here now. I have my medical card. It's just a way to get money out of you. I mean, I gotta I gotta pay a doctor a hundred dollars a year. I just call him on the phone and he gives me that my card. Then I have to get a. Pay the state fifty bucks. Then I have to go buy the cheapest marijuana I can get. It is like thirty-five dollars for an eighth. I I don't even have to ask you really, but I'm sure you're you're in favor of home grow of like everything, including uh kratom plants, opium poppies.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I believe that it's your natural, God-given right to yeah. grow what God has given us all. If you think about the monopolization of a seed, because that's what it truly is right? This idea that uh, a certain privileged class of producers can monopolize or prohibit a substance either to drive it into the legal cartel or the illegal cartel system. It destroys competition. It destroys the individual's ability to become a producer and also to consume what they choose to. Think about the quality control issue, right? What if kratom was grown in Florida? I know that there's pilot programs, I think, for the last few years or even longer, for growing kratom in the state of Florida. And think about that as far as a production site goes. I believe that America can be the number one producer of all of these agricultural medicines or ancestral medicines, or whatever you want to call the, the plant-based medicines. Mm. That it's funny how these the people who are calling for a plant-based diet are not calling for plant-based medicine. I think that's kind of um, ironic and maybe um, helps to put a spotlight on some of the principles that they think that they're uh, living by, when in reality they're just following what the establishment is pushing down on a lot of people. Uh, And it's to benefit, I think, a privileged class of producers that are are able to use the law to legally plunder the people because if you can grow your own medicinal garden think about if you could provide up to 80 percent of your medicinal needs by what you could grow in your backyard or if you could have your local farmer grow it for you Mm -hmm. it would be minimally processed and you could be able to go to the farmer's market and stock up on your medicinal needs instead of going to the pharmacy system depending on your system of values because at the end of the day America was built on the idea that you get to choose what your values are, as long as they don't hurt other people, as long as you don't steal from others or hurt other people, you can choose what values that you live by. And I think that's really the, the genius of America. And if you think about the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, it was prohibiting those in power from establishing a religion or interfering with the free exercise of religion. And if you think about what religion truly is it is a system of values and i think we're all free to set that
0: according to what we believe and what we found with our experience in life how long have you been using kratom and how did you find out about it sure that's uh, i'm glad you brought that up i i used it for years um i
1: first heard about it there was two different time frames that i heard about it one because the FDA was going after it And um, the way I look at life, if the FDA is demonizing something, then that's probably a useful tool that I can use on my own (laughs) to help improve my health and defend against uh, the things I want to defend against. But it was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, Chris Bohr Bell was on there. And he had dealt with chronic uh, pain issues all of his life. Um, And he talked about kratom. And Rogan took kratom. And the company that they promoted is the company that I still buy from because there are family members in my household that use Kratom on a daily basis. Even though I use it um, on and off, there are people in my family that use it almost every day. And so – it was – the reason why I got into it was because I was looking for an an outlet to get away from the uh, prescription drug, the legal drug cartel system, and and find the tools that I can use on my own in order to defend my health. Because if you're trapped into the chronic uh, pain management system, they treat you like every day your pain is the same, which is absolutely an insane idea. They, they give you um, – a certain amount each day that you can take but depending on your level of activity or depending on the different cycles that you have within your body the different inflammation cycles the different pain cycles that you have um, the different things that are going on in your life you're going to have a lot different pain from day to day and the idea that you can prescribe each day basically each minute to minute what you can and can't consume I think is is totalitarian at its very worst because you're dictating what, how much pain a person can experience. And I believe that is tantamount to state sanctioned torture, that by these decisions that people are making inside committee meetings where individuals like myself and yourself are not there to defend what we believe is our natural right. And so I got into Kratom because of the Rogan podcast and because the FDA and DEA were going after it.
0: See that? FDA and DEA, you shouldn't... You keep, you keep going after other things that might help us <laughs> so we can find out about them. Right. <laughs> the thing I would worry about with like growing poppies especially is there's a different amount of, of the actual opium. It might be stronger one time the other time, but with all these... Like our own testing, all this technology is being, is getting cheaper and cheaper. I, I feel like in the future, we, you'll be able to even like test if we're, we're not threatened with arrest, we'd be able to grow poppies in our backyard and maybe get a, get a testing strips that we could put in the tea or whatever it is we make from it. That's the one thing that I wish with Kratom, we would get an alkaloid profile, but the, but the labs just aren't there, uh, yet, but, um, I think
1: that'll happen, Yeah. Um, Once once the FDA gets out of the business of demonizing it, I think you'd have a lot of money uh, flow into the space and you would have that testing. And I think Mm. the same thing that goes with growing your own poppies, um, that you would be able to develop different strains that would have guaranteed amounts of alkaloid in it Mm. that you can. The pharmaceutical companies do that already. You know, Tasmania is the number one grower of so-called legal poppies and they can tailor the um the poppies that they grow to what the pharmaceutical companies profiles um, that they want for that year as far as production uh, targets go for. So I do believe the technology, um, if it exists at the pharmaceutical level, that it would come down to the individual level or at least at the local lab level that you could have the farmers produce it and then take it to get an assay of alkaloid content. And I believe people are smart enough to self-administer Uh, different products as well, Mm. that if you are afraid of the strength of something like, let's say, uh, poppy tea, that uh, you could self-regulate that and drink a small amount of it and see how that affects you. Because when you drink it over a period of time, you know, you're talking about levels that that are pretty low compared to the concentrated doses that we get um, with the pharmaceutical-made products. But I understand your concern, and that's something that I think the market would figure out or individual inventors would figure out. And I do agree that testing is important. The more we know, the better. Yeah. It's, it. And I think natural products are demonized because you don't know. But at the same time, I think the it, it does seem like every natural product has this balance between the more powerful and the less powerful constituent. As far as alkaloids go, and it seems to be a pattern, or terpenes, if you will, um, with cannabis that you have THC and CBD um, together. That you have in the poppy plant, you have uh, codeine and morphine, and then in the uh, in kratom, you have the seven hydroxy and the the, uh, yeah. the other alkaloid, mitragynine. Yeah, uh, yeah, mitragynine. Um, and so you have these, um, you have the 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 powerful in smaller doses, and then the the less powerful in the larger doses.
0: You said you stay away
1: from extracts I do yeah I've taken one time and I didn't to be honest I didn't I didn't think it was beneficial and like you talk about as far as alkaloid content I'd like to know exactly what it is we can do that with cannabis so I think we can do that with you know with alkaloids in in different plants as well Mm -hmm. yeah extracts I think they should be legal personally I think they should be 100% legal because all you're gonna do is drive it underground and then you're gonna have the black market um, selling the extracts, which are gonna be 100% worse than what we have at the moment. Because if you look at, when they talk about scheduling to Kratom, what I want, if I had more than three minutes, we can talk about the committee hearing a little bit more. I think that's that's important as well, the way they structured it. Um, But we had about three minutes, those who were advocates. And I didn't get a chance to say, well, guess what else is scheduled too, right? That's fentanyl, right? And that's being adulterated in products across the country. And the FDA and the DEA, uh, we're supposed to trust them with um, securing our products and securing what should or should not be in a product. But right now they're allowing adulterated products to enter the country in mass amounts. And I believe that that could be... um, Stopped overnight. If kratom could be promoted on TV like like they promote the legal drug cartels, or and also if um, if heroin was legal, I know a lot of people will 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 think that's a crazy opinion. But over time, I think more and more people will come to the realization that if you prohibit something, you drive it into the black market, and you have adulterated products. And the accidental fentanyl poisoning that's going on right now is hundred percent due to prohibition and I believe it's the government's fault and I think that prohibition, I know that prohibition has been proven over and over again to produce predictable results mm. and we see that time and time again during alcohol prohibition the government actually poisoned and killed over 10,000 Americans by putting adulterants in um, in industrial ethanol that they yeah. knew people that it was being diverted for people, the poorest people That's who were buying yeah. it because they couldn't afford the uh, the more expensive Canadian whiskey or the Irish whiskey that was being smuggled in and helped to build some of the biggest political dynasties in America today. The problem with prohibition too, it drives away um, information cycles. So we're we're information is being siloed and it's being prevented from being shared because people should be able to openly talk about everything. Yeah, and they've labeled stuff medical and all of a sudden medical. F- speech is somehow outside of the free speech that we are all guaranteed by the First Amendment. The First Amendment is a prohibition against government that they should not interfere with our freedom of speech. And freedom of speech is so important because humans are tool makers and traders. And in order to trade different tools, we need to be able to talk and so we if we talk, we trade, we use tools and we can improve civilization like that. And if you think about what is civilization, it's tool use and how do you pass along the knowledge about tool use and improve the tools that we
0: have and it's through talk and it's through trade. You had a tea video is that is that usually how you prepare kratom in a tea? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. tea is the, the
1: number one way to do it. The taste is absolutely horrible. If anybody knows a way to mask or to improve that, um, I'm open to suggestions um, that uh, I do, I've done capsules as well. One thing that I've really liked, and that's something I'll go back to using probably on a more regular basis, is Kratom with CBD in it as well. Um, there's uh, the company that I that I buy from, that's one of their products, and I've found that to be um, effective for pain management and also just for um, with fatigue and everything else that comes with pain because pain is just not um, an experience like stubbing your toe, right? Mm-hmm. When you have gut pain or bone pain or tooth pain or uh, if you have headache pain, There's a cascade of symptoms that go along with it, which is basically what I call misery, right? And so Mm -hmm. any product like Kratom or CBD or a combination of those helps to alleviate the constellation of symptoms that not just to focus on the pain. One thing at the committee, they talked about um, 7-hydroxy in uh, Kratom being... I think they said 13 times more powerful than morphine. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, if you read about those studies about how they determine those factors, they use rats and they put rats on these hot plates. And then they give the rats either a morphine or they give it whatever compound that they're trying to test and then they use a stopwatch and see how long the rat can stand on the hot plate Mm -hmm. so that's basically how they test it it's kind of crazy that these statistics are these so-called facts are repeated over and over when in reality when you trace them back they're They really are not on solid ground at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've definitely looked at some of those. And they're not finding a lot of 7-hydroxy. I mean, they found, like, literally almost not zero amount in fresh leaf. The metragene or mitragynine, whichever one it is, (laughs) kratom, 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 the leaves get dried. It's thought that maybe a little bit of the uh, mitragynine gets oxidized into 7-hydroxy. And then so maybe the dried slightly more uh, opioid receptor attaching with the 7-hydroxy. But they said they're not really finding that much... In even uh, uh, plain leaf, either, so it's it's actually a metabolite of metrazine. So that hmm. that's usually what's going on, and, and they've and there's been a few studies that have shown that only 7-hydroxy that's consumed is what increases, you know, the morphine-like whatever. Uh, but when it's metabolized, metrazine itself has its own uh, set of pain relieving properties as a molecule i'm just trying to remember the conversation i had with uh, dr mccurdy but do you have a doctor that you talk about your creative use with or do they just completely reject it
1: to be honest i've kind of stopped going to the doctor for the yeah. last few <laughs> years um i've been gone i've been to hundreds of doctor visits in my time i've gone through so many tests um you can be poked and prodded so much and at the end of the day um i had to ask myself am I getting the benefit for what it's costing? Right. And my level of health is not where I'd like it to be. Definitely. Right. Um, but at the same time, I, I am not, uh, I don't want to go back into that system right now. to be honest, I've had a, a doctors on the program and talk to them about Kratom and those are on more of the, um, uh, the the medical freedom side and they're more open to that but again like you talked about their knowledge is almost zero and then they go to the Mayo Clinic or to different um, sites that Google um, seems to um, you know push to the top mm-hmm. and they go from that and and nobody cares about your health or well-being more than you do and I think it's incumbent on everybody to do their own research and uh, I think doctors are so busy now that most of us are viewed as a billing code who are uh, in the uh, in the medical, I call it the medical monopoly system, right? And we're billing codes now, and doctors are so under stress because of the third-payer um, system that we have, either through Medicare or through the big insurance companies. You don't, I think cash payment uh, systems with doctors helps to free them up from all of those um, issues because our current medical system does some... Uh, some things extremely well, especially like trauma, uh, but it does some things extremely poorly, which is managing chronic conditions. And mm-hmm. I think that has been demonstrated since um, you know for the last 60 years or so. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the FDA gained the power in 1962 to approve drugs for efficacy. And so when you're able to dictate what is or is not a medicine, you know that's an extreme amount of power that I don't think belongs in the hands of a handful of people um, Mm -hmm. inside, uh, the FDA. Um, as far as doctors go, I don't think that they understand what it is. Uh, I don't think they're seeing people coming in all banged up because of it. Right. Um, and their level of knowledge, um, is reflective on their incentive structure because they're incentivized to go through the legal uh, drug cartel. Cause just imagine how many people wouldn't go to the doctor if doctors didn't have a prescription pad. If there was no prescription law, if there was no – if the power of the prescription pad disappeared overnight and people were able to buy what they needed for antibiotics or for pain relief, how many people would actually go to doctors, right? Yeah. Um, I think that there would be more of the model that we're seeing now with telemedicine that you would call and get advice, say, hey – you know, I know this doctor has my best interests at heart. We share the same values. And even though they might not have the same information I have, if they go and research something, they said, these are the red flags, Brad, that you need to watch out for. Don't mix it with X, Y and Z. Right. And I would say, oh, thank you for that advice. I appreciate it. But at the same time, I'll look elsewhere for information um, yeah. to collaborate that. Or I'll I'll find from my own experience, if I want to take that risk, it's my body I should be able to to take those kinds of risks is that if that's something that i do um want to do because at the end of the day we're responsible f- for what we consume or not consume even if our right to do so is extremely impaired
0: got me thinking again of just how the technology technology's is getting kind of uh less expensive informations out there with i'm doing an experiment myself because i drank used to dr- drink a lot of alcohol i mean i Still do. I haven't drank in a couple months, so I, I wanted to actually testing this liver thing with Kratom. And so I didn't drink alcohol for a month. I went and got a liver hepatic function panel test, and it, it was perfect. So I'm like, okay, I'm on ground zero. Now I'm just going to take Kratom for a month. Let's see with my 30-plus years of drinking alcohol if... Uh, Kratom if I only take Kratom for a month will it affect my liver so I'm going to go and that only cost me like 28 bucks and I'm going to spend another t- and it wasn't it was like a private company it wasn't insurance I'm like why am I going to the doctor now <laughs> and the only reason is is because I'm on some blood pressure meds and and really I just right. have to lose weight so it's 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 a thing I can do and I'm going to stay on the meds until I you know lose the weight and I know I can come off blood pressure with natural things once I get it that down to a certain level, and uh, and it's sort of like, yeah, this this whole system, I, I gotta I gotta get out of this. Like, I didn't have health insurance for years, so I had to do stuff like that anyway. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs>
1: exactly. And that's that, a great point, Brian, about that we're still here because how did humans know what to eat or not to eat? Right, not to consume or not to consume for for hundreds of thousands of years, because the FDA has only had the the ability to prove for efficacy since 62, right? Yeah. And so our ancestors for how long had developed this amazing toolkit, which has been largely forgotten or even demonized now. And we're not even able to talk about it right on TV or on social media in a lot of places where you get um, siloed where they allow you to talk and to share information with a very limited number of people. And those low information consumers aren't able to get access or exposed to the information that I believe that if they did have it, that they would be making a lot different choices.
0: We do a journal club uh, series as part of the podcast, and I do it with a neuroscientist. And he just, we talk a lot about institutional biases. And, you know, a lot of the funding, number one, comes from pharmaceutical companies trying to develop a drug, but there's just general institutional biases where they're not going to consider a perspective. And I like the scientific process and everything. And, and I, I just wish that could be combined with. The needs of people, rather than just such this dominant institution that says you can't have this so much. This is the level of risk, and I think we're evolving out of it. I think we. I just think this whole kratom conversation is is kind of like a microcosm of that of people just wanting to make their own choices and and not. Having to live with this whole drug uh, scare thing that's just been a lot of nonsense for a hundred years.
1: Absolutely, definitely. I think that Kratom is an issue that everybody who's concerned about medical and health freedom should be supporting right now. And I think it's very indicative of some of the actual goals of some of those people who do um, talk a good game about medical and health freedom. But at the same time, they want more med- more freedom for doctors inside of the, the bureaucracy that they have rather than actually uh, focusing on the consumer level freedom, which is what I focus on, and the producer level freedom. Uh, because at the end of the day, I believe that producers and consumers should be the ones who are having this conversation, right? And then – you would fund different institutions to do the testing that you're talking about, that you would have independent labs who would be funded either through crowdfunding or through producers getting together through uh, different types of organizations, of industry organizations that can help fund this stuff. Because like you said, the more information, the better. The scientific process is great, but it is one perspective on on reality, right, on truth. And at the end of the day, humans, um, we are more experiential evidence modeled creatures, right? But we do want that scientific knowledge that if that a a certain substance We predict we'll do this, right? And that if you take something with something, that this is the risk profile for it for you. I think that's very important. I think that the more individuals talk about their experience, that you add, you combine those together, the laboratory findings as well as the actual real-world findings of people who put this into practice. Because at the end of the day, you're always going to have pioneers, especially with the free market are going to take those risks are going to step out into the unknown because that's how they're wired or because they don't have any other choice right Mm -hmm. Uh, or it's because of the system of values that they've adopted i think one of the best um, aspects of the committee meeting was the the doctor the scientist on the kratom side was talking about how different people have different system of values and that Mm -hmm. some people don't want to go through the synthetic factory-made medicine model, that they want to go through the natural model, like his wife. uh, I believe she's actually plant-based and she would prefer to use plant-based medicines as well.
0: So they tabled that bill. So is it effectively dead now?
1: That's my understanding. It's yeah. not dead. Um, it's dead as far as Schedule One. Um, yeah. Some of the collusion that was going on there was really striking, especially with the three lawyer plaintiff, the plaintiff, the plaintiffs lawyers yeah. for uh, yeah. one of the poor uh, families who lost a young son, which is tragic. And I wish if I had my testimony to do over again, I would made that more clear at the beginning. Um, one of the points that I wanted to make when I got up there was that that you saw with the bias in the room that they thank the gbi for being there and they let them testify first so they could go back to the lab to do their important work mm. and the first thing that i got up and said was well, first of all we all have important work to do you know we're the mm. ones out here producing the taxes to make this all possible and i think that in every committee meeting that people go to is just to politely remind those who are in these positions that it's not um, their prerogative to." To expand their power, it's their it's their purpose to defend our natural rights to um, to our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is that that the Schedule One for kratom in Georgia is dead, but they are colluding. There, one of the plaintiff lawyers talked to the head of the um, I guess it's the legal department in the Georgia House, um, um, as far as their legal consultant or. I'm not sure the actual position, but Hmm. he talked about with the lawyer uh, what the power of the state legislature was because the representatives didn't even know. And so it was uh, striking to see how they were trying to push it into Schedule 2. That was basically what was being decided in front of us with the plaintiff's lawyers negotiating with the politicians sitting on the other side of the the table. It was quite eye-opening. Yeah, that's
0: right. That's right. I, I'm remembering this now because I, I finally got around to seeing the whole thing. Yeah, they were definitely in some kind of political p- campaign, and that guy was putting on his best lawyer uh, voice up there, giving a speech. <laughs> and These lawsuits are all coming out now. I don't know if it's that. One guy Uh, on our comments called him a Kratom ambulance chaser. Poor people that died, a lot of them. I mean, that kid in Georgia was on high-dose prescription antihistamines. He he bought two gas stations worth of extract that night, and he might have taken them all, which I, I think would be harmful alone, maybe not have killed him. And then he was on some kind of antidepressant that's, that's had strange kind of side effects reported. Kind of like the advantage they had in traditional use is they weren't all uh, on prescriptions or they didn't have like really hard illicit drugs around maybe opium. But, yeah, that's true.
1: I yeah. mean, if you look at Thailand, opium and kratom are almost it's almost if they were put together on this earth together, you know, for a purpose, I believe, because for the vast majority of people, the codeine and morphine are are, are the constituents, the alkaloids in opium are extremely beneficial um, for the vast majority of people, you get more benefit out of it than you get uh, risk. And for that small percentage of people that might have issues, you know, it seems like there's kratom there to help as well. And then even people who might have issues with kratom because of their, the way their receptors are formed, or where the way they were raised, or the trauma that they experienced, or whatever it is um, that is driving them to consume compulsively, whether it's kratom or anything, then you have uh, products like Ibogaine that you see. Um, people are having tremendous uh, success with mm-hmm. uh, with helping to stop compulsions, um, consumption compulsions and for different aspects with with pain, with anxiety with all kinds of issues as well. And to bring all of this out into the open is what I want because in a free society that's a free society is basically one open giant free market of ideas where the best ideas come to the forefront and each individual gets to choose, what they use or don't use. And at the end of the day, I think that's what we all truly want.
0: How do you think the movement to keep Kratom legal could improve and and what can people do more of or do differently?
1: Definitely. I think AKA has done an amazing job, but they're coming from it from the the producer side of it more, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Mac, I believe he's the lead lobbyist. I think he he knocked it out of the park you know, if I'm lobbying anybody, I would hire him in a heartbeat, you know? yeah, um, but at the same time, I think individuals need to show up. Um, we act, we you know, people say I don't have time. i I, I don't have this, but guess what? Um, at the end of the day, how much how much TV are we all watching, right? How, mm-hmm. how much do we spend on Netflix? Because when you go to the capital meeting, you're missing work. Um, you're paying for parking. It was fifteen bucks. I know that's not, you know, it's not a lot of money. But at the end of the day, you know um it was between at the party i had to drive around to find parking because i don't go to the Capitol all the time yeah and that's another advantage that they have because these people this is their job yeah you know basically for three months out of the year this is all they're doing all day long is producing laws it's a law factory and what it should be is a a place where we are trying to better defend our natural right to choose and to to negotiate and to speak to one another without coercion. Because in a free market, the idea is that the individual gets to decide whether as a producer or a consumer. And that exchange, which is the transference basically of human energy and human ideas in the form of products and services that I think it's – you know a lot of people talk about the sacred bond between doctors and patients i think it's a sacred bond between producer and consumer i know that sounds a little esoteric and maybe a little out there but i think at the end of the day we're all in the same boat we all are connected and i do believe that as far as the kratom advocates i think to elevate the idea Ah, uh, to the higher abstraction of medical freedom or health freedom. I like health freedom better, um, mm. because I don't like the idea of of containing in a box your freedom, and calling it, you know, medicine or health or whatever. But it's useful for discussions um, to broaden the discussion as high and as far as possible, so they can't get us into corners and rooms like that and say, look, we're going to schedule one or schedule two it. You know? Yeah. Um. And so the more people that show up and be prepared for four plus hours. Be prepared to sit outside. Be prepared to push your push your way into those rooms politely, and when you do have your time, um, practice before you go what you're going to say. Be respectful. Um, if anybody has lost somebody, um, uh, make sure you reference that when you talk. That of course it's a tragedy when anybody dies young, and I think that everybody should um, should really focus on what. What is important to them? Why is it important for them um, for Kratom to to stay legal? Right. And it's mm. when they criminalize a plant, they're not criminalized. You can't criminalize a drug. You can't criminalize a plant. You criminalize behavior. You criminalize an individual because you can't lock up a plant. No, but you know, our prisons aren't full of cannabis plants or opium poppies. Right. They're full of people. Um, and so at the end of the day, one of I think it was on your last podcast, you had a gentleman who was on that talked about that. He's like, mm-hmm. don't criminalize me just for wanting to take Kratom yeah. uh, because I think he had some issues with uh, the law enforcement at one time. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think, a really important point to because another person who brought this up at the Kratom meeting, I think. But it was lost over that schedule one in Georgia that you can go away for like 30 years. Wow. Um, depending on possession, amount, you know, intent to distribute or whatever, however they uh, yeah. that they yeah. uh, define that. So at the end of the day, we need to start putting faces um, to these ideas that real human beings in the real world is what makes things happen. Uh, social media and podcasts is great to talk about things, but the real business of your freedom being destroyed and your money being stolen out of your pocket is happening in the state capitol building and happened in the you know, Washington, D.C. on a daily basis. So I would say show up, be sincere, be succinct, and know the reason why you're there. And if you know the reason why, then you can suffer through a lot to make sure your voice is heard. Because at the end of the day, politicians are parrots. That's really something that hit me this time around because all they were doing was repeating what they had heard or what they had read. And so we want to give them the words, the best words that help us, right, defend against... um The intrusions upon our freedom because at the end of the day life is very short and the amount of pain that you suffer in this world can really um, affect um, your life and if it's not for you it's for somebody else or it's going to be you someday because everybody who is demonizing those who choose to use tools to help them defend against pain fatigue depression um, anxiety or, or these other issues that you don't have, or that in the future you will, because at the end of the day, we're all going to be exposed to, to disease and pain. And just think about how terrible it is with if somebody has a, a, a toothache or something that you're not able to... Um, if it's the weekend or the holiday, right? How many people have suffered terribly because of that? How many people have suffered because they've sprained ankles? Or I think there's so much unnecessary pain in the world that can be addressed by the tools that I believe God has put on this earth or that the mind of man has discovered that are extremely beneficial, that we can know and mitigate the risks, because at the end of the day, everything is dangerous. Right. At the end of the day, you Mm. can drink too much water and it can kill you. People have Mm. done that. How many people drown every year? And at the end of the day, if you talk about um, people being addicted, aren't we all addicted to oxygen? Um, If somebody doesn't have air in three minutes, what do they look like? Are they desperate? Are they struggling? Will they do anything for another breath? So at the end of the day, I think it's very important that we broaden the idea of health freedom, of being able to do what your body, what you choose, and also to be able to produce what you want and and to exchange that with others who share your own values. And one of the author of the uh, of the of the bill at the committee meeting kept saying, oh, it's buyer beware. Absolutely. It's buyer beware every day. Every day we make decisions according to our system of values of what to buy. We do that with our food. We do that with everything. And at the end of the day, we want to pass along and expand freedom. And we don't want to pass along a world with less freedom to our kids and our our nephews and nieces and to those who are coming after us as well. Because what we do today is going to echo throughout history. And that's something that we need to, to all remember.
0: All right. That was awesome. Thank you so much. And um, what's the name of the podcast? I can, I'll link it. And then once you get started, hopefully people be all subscribe.
1: Thank you, Brian. Yeah, it's called Chronically Human. And okay. uh, we tackle everything from, from the economics of freedom to uh, health freedom, medical freedom. We also cover kratom as well, CBD, uh, cannabis, uh, also about the grow your own movement. I think that's going to be one of the biggest movements in the next 20 years where people are going to uh, be insisting upon the natural right to plant a seed in the ground and watch it grow. And I think that's something that is, uh, is going to be a beautiful thing and where a lot of people are going to see the power that they actually have for themselves because it's about empowering the individual to do more about and take care more about their health so they can help other people do the same.
0: Thank you very much, Brad Miller. Check out his podcast, Chronically Human, on YouTube. We'll have a link. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Please like, subscribe, share, rate, review, comment. The music is called Memories of Thailand by Risey. Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for KratomScience.com. Take care.